Hello, I'm Richard Long, the Executive Director of the Learning First Alliance. The Learning First Alliance is a partnership of leading educational organizations representing more than 10 million members dedicated to improving student learning in America's public schools. We share examples of success, encourage collaboration, and work towards the continual and long-term improvement of public education based on solid research. This podcast is part of our Public Schools Week, February 21 through 25, 2022 activities. And we have today as our guest, Kathy Gidjim. She's the president-elect of the National School Public Relations Association and Director of Communications and Strategic Planning for District 34 Glenview, which is just north of Chicago, Illinois. The district is a preschool through eighth grade with 4,300 students in eight schools. They have over 62 languages being spoken and some of the rarer ones in the United States. Kathy, thank you for coming here today. But first, let's get to know you a touch. What brought you to the field of school communications? Well, I started my career in communications right out of college. So I had been in communications in many different roles. For about 20 years, I had been in marketing and advertising, a little journalism here and there. I'd worked for political campaigns, but I had children in schools and was very involved in my kids' school district and was helpful in my child's schools and the district as a whole with communication. I was a PTO president and president's council district-wide and learned a lot about the operations of a school district in that role. When that school district created the position of communications coordinator, I was able to interview and stepped right in. I've been in school communications for 11 years now. I was at that previous district for eight years. I've been with District 34 for about three and a half years now. And I use my previous skills, particularly my work in political campaigns, almost on a daily basis, this particularly now. That raises an interesting uh, set of points, saying that the pandemic has changed a whole lot about schools. How has that changed about how you are structuring communications so that people understand what's going on, or at least know what's going on? Right. Through the pandemic, my NSPRA, National School Public Relations Association, my NSPRA friends and I talk frequently about how the pandemic has elevated the role of school communications. People see us. People know what we do now because as a profession, we have done an incredible job of helping our communities understand what is happening. Schools continue to be the hub of the community, and that's something that has become even more clear. And even more important, schools are doing more now and school communicators are tasked with ensuring that not only our staff and our students and our parents have the information they need to make important decisions, but entire communities are looking to schools. So we have broadened our reach. Website communications has become even more important. We used to say, oh, nobody goes to the website. We, we have to have a good website, but nobody really goes there. They do now. We have increased direct communication to our staff, students, and families through email and text messaging. That has certainly increased, but the importance of the website, the public facing, the community members who don't have kids in our schools, we are really having to ensure 
that they are able to get information about what's happening in our schools now. There are two points that you've raised that have come up in other podcasts we've done. The podcast with the president of the National Association of Elementary School Principals, it, it mentioned about this idea of new principals not having the time to do what he does naturally, which is reach out to colleagues to find out what works. You just mentioned about networking among your colleagues. How does that really work? School communicators are the most generous professionals I have ever come across. We are constantly sharing resources, information, tools we use. Enspra has Enspra Connect. Members can jump in and it's our network to ask questions and get answers. But we also do it naturally. Twitter is a big connection. I am the co-moderator of K-12 PR chat, which is a regular Twitter chat where we connect and share resources and ideas. There's a Facebook group for school communicators. So within seconds, we can post a question or a need and get a response from someone in North America. We have many in Canada who are active participants in these networks. And nobody hesitates to share a good idea, a good resource down from a tactic, a graphic to a strategy, an entire communications plan. We share those because we know what's good for our community is likely useful to hundreds of communities across North America. Is your community having trouble with the same as the principal's community? That is, the people new to working in school communications are so swamped that they can't avail themselves of the network? I do worry about that a little bit because our jobs have never been so hard, have never been so much. We are feeling the weight of it. But I think Enspra does a good job of ensuring that, hey, if you reach out, you will get help. We try to do that on K-12 PR chat. We try to look for new school communications professionals who are active on Twitter and draw them in to make sure that they know that we are here. And it's not just for resources, but these days it's for support and maybe a virtual hug or venting. It's hard and we are actively trying to assure school PR professionals that we're here for each other. That's really a, a positive statement because what you said is that you actually go out there and look in the social media to find colleagues and engage with them. Now, twice you've mentioned about schools doing more and communications doing. Paul Wangler said to me, if you walked into a school 20 years ago and walked in today, it's not the same place. Not only is the teaching and learning different, but all the activities we do is incredibly different. It, including trying to figure out ways to feed kids over the weekends. And so how has your world changed in communicating that? Well, one thing that has come to the forefront, particularly through the pandemic, but even before that, is that while I am the director of communications in our district, everyone needs to have the resources and tools to be communicators. Our teachers need support in communicating with their families. Surveys everywhere show that parents' most trusted resource for information is their child's teacher. And so a focus has been 
providing tools and resources and training and places to go to get the right wording to communicate. In our district, we use SMORE newsletter platform. Every one of our teachers has a SMORE account and I can get into their newsletters and help them. If they reach out for help, I can go in and help them, but they've all had training. It's something we've heard in surveys that early in the pandemic was really valuable to parents to be able to get that regular newsletter from teachers. And I try to make it easy for teachers to just pull communications that I send out and they can drop it in as a reminder because I know that not everybody's reading what I send out even after the fourth time I send it out. So to have it come from me, from the principal, from the teacher, our food service department has access to our communication tools and they send information out. Our health services offices in each building and district wide communicate. So we are all in this together. And I, I kind of feel like maybe a DJ pulling different pieces of music and putting it together. I'm pulling different resources from them and handing them out. Again, it's sharing. Hey, did you see that this teacher is doing a great job communicating here? Check it out. And we have an internal staff newsletter. It is actually my favorite piece of communication. It's the greatest work that I do. I love it. And it has been a way to connect staff to share. We have a section in there for staff to share great things that they're doing. It's the go-to place for staff to learn what's going on in HR, everything they need to know as a staff member in District 34. But we have a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of focus on staff health and wellness but we have ways for staff to connect with each other professionally, but also personally. Making connections is just vital. How's the fatigue that we all know is going on? So we are the first week back after winter break here in my district and many districts here in the Chicago area. And some districts did have to go remote and all of that were staffing issues, COVID positive cases. We have not had to do that in my district, but we're stretched thin. And when classroom teachers are out, we have to find either substitutes, which we all know are in short supply everywhere. Or if we don't have subs, staff are doubling up. We have instructional coaches teaching in a classroom. In the middle schools, we might have a math teacher filling in for on their free periods for an English language arts teacher. So it's compounding the exhaustion. This week has been quite a year and seeing the exhaustion and this time of year is usually a celebration when we ease back into the school year, but we're looking ahead to warmer weather and hearing about the celebrations from winter break and how much fun we had and, and our teachers don't get that. And that's what they thrive on is the excitement of the kids. And we have lots of students out, but the staff are just exhausted. It's a challenge for everyone. And given the fact that you have 4,300 students, that means you must have several hundred teachers that you're working with to communicate with the parents and caregivers. That keeps you stressed and thin as well. We've got great communicators in our staff. I'm really proud of our building leaders and of our teachers, how they understand the importance of communication and connection and how that builds relationships and how that makes everything easier. And that comes from the district down. We have a superintendent who himself is a great communicator and understands the value and the importance of 
communications and making those connections. Well, clearly, if he has you in this role and, and involved in strategic planning that puts you in a position to help people predict and then communicate what changes are just over the horizon. In that role, if we could flip and take advantage of that part of your life, what do you see the summer looking in terms of summer school type things, but also just catch up activities or engagement activities? It's really hard to think ahead to the summer, isn't it? It's, yeah, um, yeah, it really. Is. Every day is something different. So this time last year, looking ahead to the summer, there was so much excitement and, and it did materialize to be kind of the late spring and summer that we all wanted. But it feels like we may have a bad trick has been pulled on us and, and we don't want to get our hopes up again. But I try to think of the positive and think about what summer might mean for those students who have trouble with remote learning and have had to quarantine and, and continue some more remote learning than we would want for this school year. We need to provide them with the resources to be able to jump back in where they need to be. What we're doing in our schools is not focusing on the summer, but we're doing it now. And we have learning labs for kids who they, they need that boost. And we have staff who are working our learning labs after school and we provide transportation to ensure that that's not a barrier. So we're doing that throughout the year and not leaving it to summer. And I think a lot of districts are looking for ways to do that throughout the year, to provide those enrichment opportunities that allow students to work alongside their peers and not feel behind and be able to learn in the classroom now. You're right. School districts are, are struggling with this in the now. And the formula seems to be to figure out how to craft something that isn't set in the traditional school model of a classroom, of a semester, of a quarter, of a year, but rather what the individual student needs. That's really a difficult thing to do. What are you guys learning from? We have exhausted staff. So our teachers love their students and are giving their all to them in the classroom under really difficult conditions. And so to ask them to work a learning lab after school, and it's not volunteer, it's certainly they are paid for their expertise and their talents and their time to do this because it's very important. It's a great use of ESSER funds, but they're tired. So staff shortages affect everything. But we do have staff who are staffing our learning labs and we are learning that the equity piece is really important ensuring that parents understand the importance of their children attending these learning labs, reaching out in all of our languages to ensure that parents understand that, trying some outreach through our other parents and having our bilingual parent advisory committees. We have one for Spanish and we have one for Mongolian and ensuring those parents as key communicators in their communities have the information they need to share with parents, whether it's about learning labs, whether it's about health and safety protocols. Again, it's getting our fingers out in communication in other ways. And so that's a big lesson learned is we have to be finding really different ways, every way to communicate, to ensure that parents understand the opportunities 
And then to understand that there are no barriers to participation. There isn't a fee for participation. There is transportation so that your child can get either to or from opportunities when they need to. This has been really interesting. I do want to ask you one final question before we summarize. And and that is, how is your community dealing with schools now being a political football? Yeah, it's hard. I I said earlier how this pandemic has put the focus and allowed people to understand the role of the school communicator. Well, it's also put schools in a spotlight. Early in the pandemic, it put schools in the spotlight as the most important center, the hub of the community. It made teachers heroes that they are. And as that has changed, having schools in the spotlight in such a negative way has been a challenge. But we have to remember that, and I say this to our building principals who are bombarded with emails from parents and outside of parents, community members. I share this with our leadership team district-wide and I share this with our teachers. The loud voices are not the majority. And we need to work to encourage and elevate the voices of the supporters of our schools. Those who are thankful and happy for the wonderful work that public schools are doing for their children, for their families, for our communities as a whole. Our educators need to hear those voices or we're going to lose more teachers. So it really is critical to arm our principals, arm our teachers with the knowledge that the community supports public schools and that we will listen to diverse voices, but we will not stand for attacks on public education. I think that's an important lesson for all of us to listen to, to diverse in the criticisms, but to differentiate that from people essentially being incel and tearing something down just because. This has been fascinating, Kathy, and I, there's a lot to be learned here related to creating safe, equitable, and engaging schools, because you do talk about how the engagement builds to the equity, which creates the safety, how all three of these ideas come together. Anything in summary you want to add? I think it's important that we remember to care for each other. I know that we are all focused on the social, emotional needs and well-being of our students, but we can't forget that we need to care for our staff We need to care for our teachers who are on the front lines. We need to care for our families. It's challenging to be a parent right now. And we need to care for each other. I think that that's a message that communicates really so well across so many different spheres. We need to be listening. We need to be thinking. We need to be engaged. And I think your school district and your community the National School of Public Relations Association is lucky to have you as president-elect. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. 